Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. If you're looking for a show to stir up controversy while spitting that fire, you need to hear you're tuned into the right show. D. Mendy here, joined by a guy whose fantasy team seems to like having their best weeks against me for some reason, the Doc, Eric Mendelson. What's going on? Oh, man, perfect introduction to just say how I destroyed you last week. Oh, it's amazing. That wasn't in there. You can add that for yourself. But Oh, gosh. that's Way to bring it up, David. I forgot about it for like 30 minutes, but just that. <laughs> well, we have no Johnny Foosball, no Brad Stradamus this week. But what if I told you we had someone who brings the fire enough for two people? Joining us as a guest this week, she's a registered nurse by day, helping save your fantasy football team by night. She's everything ball blast football, including co-owner, editor-in-chief, writer, and manager of said site. Check her out on Ball Blast, a fantasy football podcast, and her work on Roto-World and 4x4.com. The Derrick Henry enthusiast and the second person with a black dog with a white belly on this show, we're talking with Kate Majuk. How's it going, Kate? It's going awesome. I don't know how I could ever live up to your awesome introduction here. Thank you so much for having me on. No, of course. I need to double check right from the start. Did I say your last name right? Yes, you did. I'm I'm actually getting very, uh, very overwhelmed by the ability of this fantasy community to um, learn a, a Polish last name. Bravo. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if I'd gotten it wrong, I was prepared to go do my laps or my push-ups because that was going to be shame <laughs> on me. Uh, but so I think it's kind of interesting because you do a podcast with your wife, Michelle, and I think it's interesting that you guys do a show together because um, I'm imagining doing if I did my show with my fiance, she would just make me look really bad, even though she doesn't really follow <laughs> fantasy football, just because I don't win arguments with her. Do you think that um, like when you guys are on the show, do you find sometimes it's like interesting to be arguing with someone you're so close to? Oh, absolutely. And it it's sort of an interesting dynamic because it just boils over into just our day to day, like I'm washing dishes and we'll start to debate about random said person. Like there was the Miles Sanders controversy. I was lower on Miles Sanders. She was higher. So of course, like we're going about our day to day and I'm working from home sometimes and she works from home. So like the conversation on the podcast is just a a small glimpse into what we, we discuss every day. Where it's honestly, I I would love, uh, but also not love to be a fly on the wall in this house just to see how much are we really talking about football? Because it's probably, uh, it's a dominant topic, but you know what? It's so fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, this is the fun of this is, this is like fantasy football, such a lifestyle, such a, such an escape from everything else. You know, I, I think that's everybody in this community is so awesome and so friendly and, uh, it's it's just a great thing to talk about in general. Yeah, fall Sundays are what we live for. Oh yeah, it, it's 
it's definitely the the thing that brings everybody together, especially in crazy times like now. We need football. Hopefully, we don't uh, have more of this COVID stuff interrupting any more games or uh, interrupting any more lives in general. Um, I gosh, I, I hope we aren't seeing the the halt of football, but we we all got to keep our fingers crossed for sure. And it's that's the best we can do at this point. But we are going to talk about hopefully the continued part of football here. And and after three weeks, we're starting to be able to gather some data on players. And we're looking in this episode to go into our main segment called Ready to Ride or Trade Aside. We're going to be looking at which players are surprising you either positively or negatively after three weeks. And are you going to ride with these players for the near future? Are you looking to trade those players because their value is sky high? Or maybe you're even trying to cut bait because they're like a dead fish. So I love it. (laughs) We're going to be jumping into that. Also, we got our question of the week. Who is the most underrated player in football right now? And as always, game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first, let's just jump into a couple news and notes. And our first bit of news and notes is the Mitch experience appears to be over. Mitch Trubisky was ditched in favor of Nick Foles, who rallied the Bears to a comeback win over the weekend. Matt Nagy has announced Nick Foles is the starter going forward. So, Eric, I'll start with you. Do you think this is Nick Foles' job for the rest of the season? Unless he gets hurt, yeah. I mean, he had a comeback win. Like, this is what Nick Foles does. I'm just mad I didn't live bet the Bears when he came in because you know that they're not out of it if Foles is quarterback. Yeah, Kate, do you think the same thing? Do you think he's, barring injury, to start the rest of the year? I do, and honestly, I think it comes down to to politics, right? I think they started the season with Mitch Trubisky because I think it's very hard to – uh, once you make that move to flip flop back, like if Nick Foles doesn't work out and I don't think he will, I just don't see uh, there being a, a a good way to turn the reins back over and say, oh, it's kind of like breaking up with an ex. Right. And then you move on and you're totally moved on until you guys break up and then you haven't moved on at all. It, it's just awkward. It's uncomfortable. I don't think they're going to approach it that way. Um, and honestly, I, I just, I don't know the, the shortness of the leash, uh, (laughs) it, it's concerning for me. And I think we have seen the end of the Mitch era, which is, which is sad. It's, it's not a great era, but it, it had its moments. Right. And what's crazy too, the bears were two and oh, like they, they looked like they were going to lose this game. But they were they were starting out well, like albeit they won some close games and, and that comeback win week once against the Lions. But like it's not like he had a bad record. So yeah, that's what's so surprising about it is it you know it you're you're not seeing necessarily the the team struggle as as a whole in terms of record, but um, you know it, maybe it just goes back to that you know that dynamic you want your your quarterback to be that leader. But then it also brings us back to the question, can Nick Foles be that guy when he's that guy on purpose? I don't know. Yeah, I think people were joking. They said they just should start Mitch Trubisky for like 10 to 15 plays every game so Nick Foles can get used (laughs) to that backup role. 
And I'm, I would think it's hilarious if they actually just did that just for how Nick Foles would be comfortable coming into a game. Cause as a, <laughs> as a starter, when he starts the game, it's, it's not nearly the same type of vibe from him. So I oh, think it's kind of sure. interesting. Um, and then the other big news, obviously, uh, the, the Titans announced today that they have eight members of their players and staff that tested positive for COVID. We're going to have to keep an eye on what this means going forward for them and the Vikings. So, Kate, what does your gut say is going to happen with this and uh, what the NFL is going to do? You know, I actually think the NFL has done a pretty good job so far of of keeping things under wraps. They seem to have their... Um, they're head on straight. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe this has come from a, a result of comfort. I, I think all of us have sort of been guilty of that, getting just a little bit too much in our comfort zone with these sort of abnormal uh, things in life. Um, my hope is that uh, they're able to, you know, do proper contact tracing and figure out a, a specific uh you know, maybe a lapse in protocol or something to point to uh, that isn't just like this guy happened to get COVID. Um, I, I think the the more isolated they can make the incident um, or, you know, the the more isolated they can identify the, insula- the incident to be uh, might have a, a bigger impact on uh, keeping football football for now. I'm a little nervous, though. Yeah, that came out of nowhere this morning, and I'm just very anxious to see if what the, if they're planning on eventually maybe they move the game to Tuesday because they're not supposed to even enter their facility until Saturday. And if they push the game to Tuesday, if they say this is their bye week, I know that they planned on tacking on weeks at the end of the season in case this happened. But Eric, I'll quickly jump to you. What are your thoughts about this? Well, it's crazy because we've seen this in baseball with the outbreaks with Cardinals and Marlins, and they didn't play for a couple of weeks. But in baseball, you can play double headers. You can't do that in football. You can't play the same day. You can't, you know, even the Thursday games after a Sunday is a little bit of a stretch. So it's this is going to be the first of hopefully not many tests. But, um, you know, the NFL has got to handle this well and figure out a policy if they want this season to go on. I think they're going to try to do anything they can to keep this season going because there's a lot of money riding on it. So, Yeah, fair enough. And then just like Kate said, all you can do is keep your fingers crossed and hope that we keep having football. So with that being said, let's let's move on to – I wish I had a plug next to me because I was going to show a visual plug. Do you like what you hear so far? <laughs> Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fancy baseball show you can also check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're enjoying the content. How about doing what the in-crowd is doing and leave us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. You're stuck in them wrong. You're stuck at that 0-3 mark in your fantasy league, and you're looking for that spark to ignite your team to start winning some games. Why not listen to us and see if we're that lucky charm you're missing? If you're 0-3, you obviously need a little triple play fantasy magic in your life. So put us in, see what we can do. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. All right. 
ready to ride or trade aside. So as we said, we've got three weeks of data to kind of look at a bunch of these guys that had their values have either kind of skyrocketed or kind of shot down a little bit. So we have five of each player or five of each position that we're going to dive into. So we're going to start, of course, with the quarterbacks. And so, Kate, I want to start with you for our first guy here, Josh Allen. If it wasn't for letting Russ cook, maybe the MVP <laughs> front runner so far, he's second in the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And his team has a 3-0 and record, also has two rushing scores. So if you have Josh Allen, are you looking to try to sell high, see what you can get, or are you going to just keep riding this hotness out with him? I'm riding the heat. I love Josh Allen. Uh, Michelle and I have been huge fans of Josh Allen and huge proponents of his value for fantasy for a while now. Um, I just, I love the rushing upside, but what I love even more is the fact that this is, you know, production that's coming uh, from what looks to be growth as a passer. Um, You know, I'm always sort of skeptical when we see those, you know, those big leaps in, you know, completion percentage and things like that. Um, but you know, there's a, a very distinctive reason for Josh Allen to have made this leap and it's, it's gotta be Stefan Diggs. Like he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. He's going to make his quarterback better. Um, and I think, you know, that that's part of, you know, just his, his development as a quarterback and I buy into it. Eric, you were a Josh Allen truther all off season. You ranked him higher than anybody else on this show. What are you doing with Josh Allen? Uh, yeah, I'm keeping him. And to Kate's point, I love that that Diggs helped. I don't get why fantasy Twitter was so low on him. I was like, Patriots D and Jets D got worse, and he added a dominant wide receiver, and he was QB7 last year. This year, he has 20.4 fantasy points per game just with his legs. Like That's six to seven points a game just with his rushing upside. He has two rushing touchdowns on the year. I'm keeping him. Yeah, I mean... I guess the question also wouldn't be, I think you're definitely going to want to keep him, but so I, I'm curious if I were to offer you an RB two and maybe a lesser quarterback, if that would be something that you'd be interested in, maybe like a, a Kareem hunt and let's say a, a Matt Ryan Aaron, and let's say an Aaron Rodgers, an Aaron Rodgers and a Kareem hunt. Would you do that? No, I'd have to, I'd have to see my team. Like it's, if you have injury filled running back team, you took like Saquon and Le'Veon Bell and Philip Lindsay. That's John's team. Then I would probably do it. But if I had healthy running backs, I probably wouldn't. Okay, you feel the same way with that as well? Yeah, definitely roster dependent for me. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that does make um, Matt Ryan so appealing right now is just that their defense can't keep up. He's going to need to be throwing this ball Love at it. this rate all season long. So, I think there's definitely, um, you know, he, he could finish easily, you know, top, top seven in quarterback, but God, I hate to hate to let Josh Allen go. <laughs> All right. So we're keeping Josh Allen unless we get a King's ransom. All right. Move into the next guy here. Aaron Rodgers, the resurgence of a rod with nine touchdowns and zero picks and a tw- 121.1 passer rating through three games. He's bounced back to a top seven quarterback so far. So, Eric, are you riding with the rod or trying to trade him away? I would actually trade him away if I got a good offer. Like real life, Aaron Rodgers is still a top five quarterback. But so far this year, he has two games with three or more passing touchdowns. And he had that. I think Rodgers is going to be better than we all thought going into this year. But I'd probably have him in that QB 10 to 12, not 
seven where he is now or six. So you're definitely trying to sell high on him while he looks like he's you, he's seems like he's adapted well into Matt Lafleur's offense, and that he's he Remember said they he's, hate each other, right? No, apparently they're best friends now, from what he says. <laughs> so, um, Kate, do you think that Aaron Rodgers is a sell high candidate, or do you think this is truly what he's going to be doing all season? I still think he's a sell high candidate, but not necessarily because he won't. Uh, it, he's not capable of continuing to produce like this. Uh, I just think I, I don't fully buy in after. Uh, the performance we saw last year, he just looks, I don't know if this is just angry Aaron Rodgers coming out because they drafted his, his heir apparent or, or what this fire lit up in underneath him. Um, I don't know what that'll look like, but I also, I, I worry about Devonte Adams uh, and, and what he might look like uh, longer term without him as a target. Should he be out uh, and, and unavailable for several games? Yeah, it's very interesting. Obviously, Alan Lazard is someone that looked like he benefited from the absence of Devontae Adams. But it's interesting that we're having this discussion on Aaron Rodgers because I think a lot of people had him left for dead as far as fantasy is concerned. I was one of them. <laughs> we all were. Especially if you, if you drafted him and he burned you, you're like, all right, like great real-life quarterback. Fantasy-wise, it's all about running the ball for that team. So, yeah. Um, next guy here was someone I did not think I'd put on this list and that's Deshaun Watson. He's faced the chiefs Ravens and Steelers so far. That's probably about as tough as a three game stretch as you're going to have also lost Deandre Hopkins in the off season, but he has four touchdowns and three picks with an Oh, and three record on an ugly looking team right now. So Kate, if you have Deshaun Watson, are you panicking or better days ahead? I'm panicking a little bit, though, the schedule, like Minnesota, Jacksonville, not too shabby. Um, If any matchups are going to provide him some opportunity to bounce back, those should, theoretically. Um, I I don't know if that'll happen. I am a little panicked, though. I think he definitely looks to be, uh, he just looks like a different quarterback uh, without his safety blanket. And, you know, it, it's really unfortunate that you don't really get to see all of these pieces. Like what if you had a a healthy ish uh, Will Fuller and, and you had like a more capable running back than they've had in years. Like it, it, I really wish we could see this whole offense like patched together, but um, you know, he's not necessarily taking off and, and, and running as much as I'd like him to, to provide him that safe floor. I think the, the, Need to pass will be there, but I'm just, I, I don't want to trust Bill O'Brien right now. He burned me. Yeah, you can't trust that Bob. He's, Bob. he's, he's a bad, he's bad for us. And I, I think, yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of interesting because when I looked at Deshaun Watson this offseason, you kind of have that mindset where you're like, okay, he has to do everything for this offense. And you would think that's going to translate to really good fantasy production. But I remember when I was drafting in a couple of my important leagues, that I had the choice between him and Dak Prescott. And I took Dak because I looked at his schedule and I was like, look, like he's got to beat some really tough defenses. You could be in a, a hold because he's going to be playing, you know, the Ravens and Steelers alone, probably the top two defenses in the league, arguably. And the Chiefs, you know, you never know because he's going to lose that game. He's going to probably maybe throw a couple of picks trying to catch up. So I went Dak. And but I, I was kind of wasn't sure about it because I thought maybe Deshaun Watson would get those rushing yards you mentioned. And it, it's been surprising to me how much that he hasn't gotten and, and how much they're kind of just 
they don't they look like a horrible offense run by a horrible coach and um yeah, I feel sorry. yeah and um Eric, I don't know if you feel that the same way about Watson or not. Yeah, I actually had him as my QB 12 prior to the season, and it's not anything with Deshaun Watson. It's how much I think Bill O'Brien's awful. They're 0-3 right now. He's been sacked three times at least every game. He threw to eight different wide receivers, so he doesn't have that go-to target. And a lot of his offensive weapons are injury-prone. David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller can never stay healthy. I just don't think he's going to have that continuity. And who's to say – if they're one in 10 and they're banged up with all the injuries that they've had, if they sit them in the fantasy playoffs because they want to tank for a better pick, I don't think you can rule that out with Bill O'Brien. If he's still there by that, I mean, can he fire himself? <laughs> I guess he can't. That'd be kind of weird, but who gets um, fired first, him or Gase? I feel like everybody wants both of them gone. I'd still root Gase. I, if he's like if a if they lose Thursday night to the Broncos, I could see it happening Friday. Gase honestly. has nine lives, though. It does. He does. Um, next guy here, Eric, you just pat yourself on the back for Deshaun Watson. You need to give yourself uh, the other way around for Drew Brees here. Six touchdowns and one pick so far, which isn't horrible, but he's 20th in yards per attempt at 7.3 yards an attempt. And he's only averaging 4.6 air yards, which is just god-awful. Seems to have lost quite a little bit of arm strength and seems like a very different player without Mike Thomas catching those short, you know, six to eight yard slants. So, Eric, why don't you uh, talk about this guy that you had his QB3 going? Uh, into yeah, the season? you know, I'm sticking with him. I mean, he said six touchdowns to one interception. I mean, Michael Thomas had 149 catches last year, the most in NFL history. That's an integral part of the offense. You've seen how healthy Alvin Kamara looks. I'd definitely hold on to him because I think Traquan Smith has taken a step up. I think it's his best wide receiver core in years. And Michael Thomas does run those slants, which is Drew matches up with uh, how he's throwing the ball with his short passes. So I'm holding on to him. I think he could be a league winner later in the season. Wow. Okay. Did not just hold sticking your guns. All right. right. Kate, you want to shoot him down real quick? (laughs) I, I don't, I, oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I so I, I to I I I will be honest. I I didn't have Drew Brees like ranked highly going into the season. I just wasn't. Um, I, I can't buy into. I just have to buy into Father Time. Like at some point, but I, you know his his yards after the catch production has been such a big point of his game, and um, you know Michael Thomas has been a huge part of that game. So. I think you have to, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to lose <laughs> Drew Brees because <laughs> I feel like once we declare him, he's, he's like for real gone. Um, but I think we should be concerned, especially, uh, you know, even if we're, we're not looking from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, he just, he definitely doesn't look like the same guy, but it hurts me to admit that. <laughs> So it's all right. We can't agree on everything. Yeah. So I have a question then. So you're 0-3 right now. Drew Brees is your starting quarterback, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is on the waiver wire. He's going against Seattle this week, who has by far leaps and bounds been the worst passing defense. I think they've allowed over 400 more passing yards uh, to receivers than the next closest team, the Falcons. Are you dropping Brees to pick up Fitzpatrick if you need a win this week? Oh, I absolutely am. And it it doesn't sound doesn't sound fun, 
Um, but I mean, we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, when he is in the zone, he's in the zone and it doesn't seem to matter um, what weapons he has around him, but uh, he has that, that upside. He has a very low floor, obviously, but um, he's, he's certainly got the upside. He was the the quarterback eight in week three, which is just shocking. Um, you know, it, when he's on, he's on. And I think this is an opportunity for him to be on, um, you know, just, just from a sheer volume perspective. I will you gotta move on no. eventually. <laughs> I will say no. And I have a big caveat. Ryan Fitzpatrick is at risk of getting benched. Drew Brees, barring injury, is going to stay healthy. And I said this claim a few years ago when he backed up Jameis and he had that really hot start. And I was like, ah, I can't have him as my week-to-week starter. A few bad passes and he's getting yanked. Drew Brees has that security, so. You think he so? does, but they like a Taysom Hill uh, far too much for my for my comfort level. <laughs> Well, let's move to someone that might not be as controversial here. And our last quarterback on the list, and that's Carson Wentz. And what a fall from grace for him, man. He averaging a putrid 5.6 uh, yards per attempt, three touchdowns, six interceptions. The Eagles are 0-2-1. No wide receivers there that are healthy right now. I'm, I'm assuming without, board. without going into too much, and I'm assuming you guys are cutting bait with him. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Easy not enough. Even- all Not right. even a question. And you know what, like something interesting. So uh, pro football focus is always very much about uh, looking how quarterbacks perform from a uh, a clean pocket as the best indicator of, um, you know, decision making and, and just how how well they're playing. Um, and when you look at uh, Carson Wentz, he's performing at like the bottom of the barrel uh, for all metrics when he is not under pressure, like he, he doesn't look right. Um, you know, there was one interception last week where I was just like, I can't even, you know, guess which one of these wide receivers that was supposed to go to. It was just straight to a Bengals linebacker. Like dude doesn't look right. I I'm moving on, but the metrics back it up. He, he doesn't look if his job's not, you know, being actively threatened, he doesn't seem to, to know what to do, but it that might not last for long. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that we're even having the discussion of Jalen Hurts coming in? Like, was that something you would have thought, you know, a year ago? Like Carson Wentz is in danger of losing his I've job. I thought he's overrated, so this doesn't surprise me. Eagles under wins is the easiest bet each year. <laughs> but you know what? The the organization, you know, their their use of that early draft pick that, you know, maybe we should have taken the hint and said like, okay, what are they seeing? Um, you know, I know they they sort of batted down any insinuation that that Wentz was losing his job, but maybe we should have taken that more to heart and said, you know, you're you're telling me one thing, but your actions are saying something very different. Um, and and just we should have left him alone. It, yeah, it's crazy. They just paid him big like two off seasons ago for like five year one thirty extension. Yeah, but you have to look at it too. Like you look at the league and what it's transforming into. And, and Carson Wentz is is mobile, but you see what Lamar Jackson did to the Ravens. You see what Kyler Murphy's doing to the Cardinals. And it's like, all right, I need that dual threat quarterback that 
I mean, you look at the success of those teams, the Cardinals could almost be three and zero right now. I mean, they had the chance to be three and zero, and the Ravens obviously are two and one, but they're arguably top three team in the league. You have that threat, and it's like they're trying to catch up with the league. I think, and that's I feel like definitely why they invested that pick. Um, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch how things transpire in Philly. Um, let's move to the running backs now, and we're going to start off with a guy who I was afraid to touch this year after he burned me last year. And that's David Montgomery. He's 191 rushing yards and a healthy 4.9 yards per carry, but only one touchdown. And it looks like he might even be a better value now with Tariq Cohen out for the year. So with Tariq Cohen out for the year, I'm kind of interested, Eric, at this point before he plays the next game, because you're assuming that he might get some more catches now that Cohen's gone. Are you trying to trade David Montgomery for maybe what might be his highest value? Yeah, I mean, I think the Bears are 3-0, and so they're going to try to play and win. I think the QB change will help him as well. Um, I mean, with Tariq Cohen out, his really comp- his really big competition is Cordero Patterson, but he's had 13, 16, and 14 carries each game and one three and two catches, so he's getting 15 to 18 touches a game. I think you expect him to get in the end zone a little more, so if I didn't have him, I'd be trying to buy Kate, how do you feel about that? You know, I feel kind of icky about it. And it's icky in the same way that, um, you know, Joe Mixon is a guy that uh, ball bless football in general has not been super high on. We all don't endorse him. (laughs) We do not endorse him. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, if we see you get the volume and you're still not producing, that's, that's a big red flag. And Joe Mixon's a guy that's gotten the volume. But so is David Montgomery. He's had volume before um, and he wasn't, you know, anything more than just a volume based play. There wasn't a ton of upside there. Um, So I'm sort of taking this for uh, just maybe assuming this is what he is. And, you know, just the fact that Tariq Cohen, it's not like he played a a huge role. Um, You know, he's only had 20 touches so far in the season. So he's not, I don't think he's sniping enough away for that to give him a a significant enough boost to make it worth it. Yeah, I think he's a very interesting player. I don't think you're playing him with a lot of confidence. I think that's just like his nature. So um, interesting kind of conversation on him. And another guy that might fit that mold, Melvin Gordon. He's actually averaging 4.1 yards per carry this year, which is very unlike him because he's a very inefficient yards per carry guy. Um, but now Phil Lindsay's potentially coming back into the fold as soon as this week. You have a Jeff, Jeff Driscoll-led offense. Um, if you have Melvin Gordon, what the heck are you doing, Kate? What are you, what are you doing with this guy? I'm I'm actually hoping I can maybe buy him low uh, mm. with the news that you know we might see Philip Lindsay uh, returning. So Melvin Gordon, like you, you hit on, he's a, he's not a very efficient running back whatsoever, uh, but he's good for fantasy. He is the goal line back. Um, I, I think he will continue to be the goal line back with Philip Lindsay in the mix. He just um, sort of profiles better as that guy. He's a good receiver though. His, his receiving production has been quite minimal um, this season. He's averaging just 3.8 yards per reception um, compared to his, like career average of, of 8.2. So he, there's, there's bound to be some positive regression there. Um, he's going to be the touchdown guy. I just think we've, 
we've seen lots of production from him as a, a fantasy guy, not necessarily, you know, enough to make him a, a outstanding league winning uh, type of real NFL running back. But I, you know what? Anytime he's gotten the volume, he's he's been great. So I'll take it. Volume is king in fantasy football volume. And just again, that opportunity, which he has that. So um, that's a very good point there. Eric, how do you feel about Melvin Gordon? I'm going to try to sell him high after Thursday's game, assuming he has hopefully 60 yards, a touchdown, and maybe some more receiving yards. I mean, to Kate's point, yeah, 3.8 yards per reception. He has nine catches for 34 yards on the year. He lost playing time to Royce Freeman last week. That's how I know your stock is taking a little bit of a dip. I think the Jets are going to be the best matchup on paper, um, and hopefully that's the highest his value will be. But Jeff Driscoll, starting QB, your starting wide receivers are both rookies. I don't think this is going to be a very high-scoring offense, and Melvin Gordon has been touchdown dependent, especially short yard touchdowns. So I'm trying to sell him after this week. Yeah. Interesting. Because you guys very differ on that. Uh, we're, we're same on a lot of QBs, running backs, I guess. Um, the, one thing, on everything. It, the one thing that, that is interesting is you've got to think with Jeff Driscoll back there, they're going to send a lot of blitzes, and they're probably going to stack the box because they're going to know he was going to want to hand it off to Melvin Gordon. You don't have Cortland Sutton there anymore. Uh, you don't have Jerry Judy, at least right now. Uh, I, lo- I love KJ Hamler and the potential he has, but he's not going to have the time to hit him what he's best at going downfield. I'm I'm just scared that Melvin Gordon's going to be the guy who has 20 carries for 56 yards, and you're just going to have to be hope that he gets in the end zone on one of those. So uh, interesting, though, because he is a uh, that whole offense is kind of just the way it's taking shape is, is just kind of interesting to look forward to. But um, next guy here is somebody uh, personally a hero of mine. Um, 210 rushing yards, 4.9 yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. The Jags workhorse, potential RB2 for the rest of the year, James Robinson, the undrafted free agent, just taking fantasy by storm, maybe even a potential uh, league winner. So, Kate, I'll go back to you again. James Robinson, he might be the ultimate sell-high candidate, or maybe he's the real deal. What do you think? I'm obsessed with James Robinson. I'm so excited. Um, he's a guy that like, even more so than his stats, he's a guy that really just seems to jump off tape. He looks so explosive. Um, he ran a slow 40, but he, he looks, uh, you know, speed doesn't necessarily matter if you're able to just bulldoze your way through a line. So, um, he, he looks really powerful. He looks, um, just really capable of handling this volume. He's very good as a receiver, um, he, he's been productive in college. And I think, you know, maybe the, the fact that he came, um, from the FCS, you know, took a, a big hit to the draft stock. Then he has this 40, you know, time that I think he was like a four, four, six, five, I want to say, um, you know, so those factors combined, but, you know, he did have the production in college. So maybe, um, maybe that's some of what we're seeing right now. And, uh, the team's riding with him. Like, it's not like they're looking to, to get other backs rotated into the mix. They, uh, they said Leonard Fournette wasn't necessarily cut because of a, um, you know, a big concern for, uh, you know, like 
wanting to keep him. They they felt just comfortable with the running backs they had, so they figured let him loose. And when you see James Robinson, you kind of see like, oh, okay, like that's maybe they really did actually feel comfortable with their backfield. And it, I don't know. He he looks good. He looks better than I I thought he would. Derek, how you feel? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't trade him unless I got a really good offer. I mean, like Kate said, they cut Leonard Fournette. I don't think you have to worry about Chris Thompson getting more than an limited amount of touches. Um, Ryquel Armstead is on the COVID list, so he probably won't be back anytime soon. He's going to get the volume, and I think, yeah, he won't have games like he did, but or that he has every single week. But if he's getting 15 to 20 touches a game, and he's using the passing game as well, I mean, that's so valuable in fantasy. So I'm holding on to him. One thing I'll ask, and let's move to the next guy here. If James Robinson is your third running back, so he's your flex or your bye week fill-in in, in most leagues, would you trade him for a top-tier tight end if that was like something you were lacking? Would you trade him for a Mark Andrews? Would you trade him for a Darren Waller? Would you trade him for a uh, someone like that, You know, a Zach Ertz or something? Would you trade yeah. him... Not, not yeah, not Zach Ertz, but would you trade him for someone like that if that was your one weak spot? No, tight end is so touchdown dependent outside the top two or three. Yeah, we had one of our writers uh, submit their waiver wire article this week, and one of the most jarring things that uh, stuck out to me um, in this piece was that uh, I think it was over half of the uh, let's see, half of the top twelve performing tight ends in week three were rostered in fewer than 1% of leagues. That is insane. Like that is how volatile this, this tight end position is. Um, I I know having that, that top tier guy gives you the edge, but at the rate of these injuries, I'm not going to risk it. I'll just take the guy that uh, I'll take what I have. I like like it. Um, This guy here, next one. Fantasy star or was treated like one in the offseason. This isn't a knock to Eckler's performance. As with Herbert, he looks like a completely different player than he did early on with Tyrod. They have concerns there. Uh, Josh Kelly was fourth in red zone carries going into week three, so he's not going away. If you have Austin Eckler, would you be kind of putting him out there to see who, who would maybe offer something for him with the Josh Kelly vulture kind of hanging around there? Or does that not scare you, Eric? I'm holding on to him. He has 20 touches uh, or more in every single game. He just had 11 catches. I think with Justin Herbert, barring injury, they're not going to take him back or, or bench him. Um, I mean, they paid him in the offseason, and they let Melvin Gordon walk. I don't think he can be like a McCaffrey where he's on the field for 90-something percent of snaps every game, but I still think he's going to get enough volume to merit his you know late first, early second draft status. Kay, how do you feel about Austin Eckler? I I like him, actually, and he's a guy that I was lower on heading into the season than um, I, you know, really thought I, I would be. Um, but he he looks good. Um, I, I like what they're trying to establish there with uh, Joshua Kelly. I know Joshua Kelly had a down week um, in week three, but uh, I like the dynamic that they're, they're working to create as an offense. And even if they they maybe make the move back to Tyrod Taylor, um, I do expect that 
Justin Herbert's going to start the bulk of this team's games in 2020. Um, and he's utilizing the position. So I think as long as you you see him getting the the target share from Herbert, um, he should be considered top tier. I like that. Someone kind of on the other end of the spectrum here who necessarily isn't as much in the receiving game, our last running back here, Leonard Fournette. If you see some Leonard Fournette on someone else's roster, are you trying to buy low? Do you think that this won't be a timeshare, Kate? Uh, I think it's going to be a timeshare. Um, and I think it's going to be one of those that it's just really hard to predict on a week to week basis. Um, I, you know, they're, they're leading their division. So there's something to be said for the scoring opportunities. And, you know, as Brady continues to, to gain comfort in the offense, um, you know, we might start to see, uh, that that utilization change a little bit. I just I I don't want the headache right now. So I'm going to wait until um, you know he he blows it up and then I'm I'm getting him out. Eric, no Leonard Fournette for you. Uh, I'm actually trying to buy low on him. He's averaged ten about ten touches per game. So keep in mind that he was just signed a few days before the season started. I think he's going to get more acclimated to the playbook. I think he's going to be the goal line back. And I'm looking at their playoff, the fantasy playoff schedule versus Minnesota at Atlanta at Detroit. With how banged up these running backs are being, it seems like he's being used sparingly to begin the year. I think he's going to get his volume later in the season when a lot of running backs and teams are fatigued. So I'd hold on to him or I would try and trade for him. All right. Like it. Let's move to wide receivers. And this first guy, I'm not going to necessarily ask if you're looking to trade him because I think you're most likely not, and that's Michael Thomas. But I am very curious um, for both you guys. Michael Thomas is supposed to play this week from everything I'm reading. If someone today offered you DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams straight up, do you take it? Yes. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Simple enough. I feel like maybe there's no other receivers I can think of that you would trade him for straight up. Um, but those were the two that definitely came to my mind that were drafted near where he was. Maybe Metcalf. Maybe. You would trade him straight up for Metcalf. I, a high ankle sprain is kind of scary. So, okay. I, That's what it, – it's sort of the nature of the injury because even if we've seen, um, you know, some of these guys come back into the active lineup, um, we just haven't uh, always seen them be the, the same player right off the bat. So if you trade – now, with the expectation that he's going to return to full health, that's probably the best value you're going to get. Otherwise, um, I'm doing the same thing with Christian McCaffrey, honestly. You know, if I'm in a redraft league with Christian McCaffrey, if there's somebody willing to trade me a uh, like a Josh Jacobs for my CMC, I'm taking that offer 100 times out of 100. Because um, I, I think you know, with the draft capital, you're obligated to start him on a weekly basis. And I don't think you're necessarily going to want to do that in the first couple of games returning. I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people don't like trading their their top asset, like a, a Christian McCaffrey or Michael Thomas for something that was less than uh, he, he was worth before the season started. Because you're, you're thinking you're like, I'm basically giving it to you for penny or you know for half of what i paid but in reality it's, it's it's such a short season you have 13 weeks before playoffs in most leagues so if you don't have christian mccaffrey for six weeks 
uh, and if you're 0 six, you probably don't even have a season. So you, you have to do what you're saying, Kate, I think. And like, if take that into account, I think a lot of people kind of like to be stubborn with their high assets. If, if they don't get a King's ransom back for that player. Um, another, let's move to a guy that's not injured or injured at the right now. And that's Terry McLaurin. You're going to jinx him. Huh? I said, you're going to jinx him. <laughs> well, yeah, let me knock on wood here. So he's seventh in receiving yards right now. And he's a top five targeted player uh, through three weeks. Only one touchdown. And as someone that's a Terry McLaurin over, I, I'm a little bit scared with the QB situation there and the volatility that comes with uh, catching passes from Dwayne Haskins. And I know he's going to be the most targeted player on that team at a great target share, usually at least at 25%. Um, but when you have an inaccurate quarterback and teams could potentially double cover him, I'm wondering if it's best to get out on him early, kind of like he showed uh, during the middle part of last year. So Eric, if you have Terry McLaurin, are you trying to get out from him right now? Or are you going to hold on? I'm going to hold on. He's averaging 16.8 yards per catch, uh, has had at least seven targets in every game and Washington football teams probably going to be trailing in a lot of games. So who cares if they're garbage time points and they're ugly, all fantasy points are equal. Kate, same for you. What say? What are you doing with Terry? I'm absolutely keeping Terry. I love, love, love Terry McLaurin. Um, he's uh, seen two end zone targets, which is not a lot, but it is the second most in the NFL right now. Um, you know, he's a, a guy that I think you have to lean on very heavily if you expect this offense to do anything with the football whatsoever. Um, you know, he he's definitely. Uh, a player that obviously I think, you know, defenses are more aware of this year. Um, but I, I think from a sheer volume perspective, you have to trust that and then, um, you know, hope that he's able to to make the the play after the catch um, to, to get you some extra fantasy points. He is a yak daddy. So I, I do, I think. Oh my that. gosh, I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you oh, make yeah. that? You've been using that a lot today. I only used it. That's the second time I've used it. That's a lot. That's incredible. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah. yeah Thank sure. you. Um, so yeah, next one, Calvin Ridley. He's been someone I've loved a lot this year, just based off where you were getting him and what he's doing. It's unreal. And second in the NFL in receiving yards, top five in targets, tie for first in receiving touchdowns. I, I, I'm kind of thinking it's like a Chris Godwin, like breakout this year. Someone that kind of came from potential that breakout, you know, kind of a maybe fourth, fifth round guy. I guess he was more of a third round guy, but um, is, is being a, a true wide receiver one. And I'm very, this might be the player on this list. I think I'm most curious what you guys are doing. He's, he's a wide receiver one. He's, he is the wide receiver one right now. Is there any wide receiver that could be offered to you maybe outside of D hop and Devonte Adams that you would trade him for, including Julio Jones, Eric? You know, I will say I was not as big on, uh, him as you were. Uh, but Matt Ryan's going to throw the ball. I mean, he has double digit targets in every single game and the Falcons are going to play from behind a lot. I thought their defense was going to be better this year, but yeah, I mean, you got to keep Ridley. I mean, Matt Ryan threw the ball the most amount of times last year and threw for 450 yards week one and look like it's going to be that way all season. So yeah, keep him. So, thank you. But uh, again, Someone offers you Julio Jones straight up. You say no. Yeah, Julio is I, – I don't like seeing someone on the injury report every week with a hamstring or being limited. It's so stressful on top of 
how stressful <laughs> fantasy football already is. True enough. Kate, what about you? Well, I think the the interesting thing with the the Julio aspect too is that uh, you're looking at two wide receivers with like pretty. Uh, I'm not going to say Calvin Ridley is Julio Jones, but their upside is pretty similar, and Calvin Ridley just seems to be more of the touchdown guy. So I'll I would probably swap those two out, but I I don't know. I'm so skeptical, and I just I. I don't know. I I don't know what to make of Calvin Ridley. And he's one of these guys that uh, he's somebody that I feel like I should have uh, been much higher on coming into the season, but it seems like an unsustainable uh, rate. It, 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 it's like too good. I don't like buy into it fully. I, I don't know. It's so weird. I, I have complicated feelings. <laughs> he's, got, he's having that Tyler Lockett efficiency year where you're just like, oh, he has to regress. He has yeah. to regress, and he doesn't. Well, it's interesting because he was lumped in that group of, where a lot of people in the community had him, DJ Moore, AJ Brown, all these guys that were expected to be booms this year. And he's really the only one that's that's really hit to what people were talking about, his potential. Again, AJ Brown's hurt. DJ Moore... I don't even know what to say about DJ. He is on this list, so we'll get to him in a second. But um, I don't know. It, this is this might be the hardest player, like you said, Kate. This is hard. There's so many mixed emotions with him. Um, so I, I I think in this case, maybe you just write it out, and if someone gives you an insane offer, I feel like you got to accept it. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. Let's move now to we got two more wide receivers here. First one, Alan Lazard looks like a number two in Green Bay has finally emerged. A six grab, 146 yard game, and a TD. He's, if he's the number two pass catcher for Aaron Rodgers rest of season, um, is there value in that in Green Bay, Eric? Um, I like him. I wouldn't overpay for him a lot. And if I would roster him, I'd probably keep him. I mean, Devontae Adams was out last week. But before that, he had four for 63 and three for 45. I mean, he's he's catching the majority of his targets. But we've seen Marquez Valdez-Scantling flashes. He threw to Robert Tanyan and Jay Sternberger a little bit. I also think the Packers' uh, passing game is going to regress a little bit, so I'd sell high maybe after his career week, but I don't think you're going to get much for him. Okay, I'm sure obviously if he's a waiver wire, and I think he's in like 60-something, 77% of leagues in most formats. Um, obviously, you're going to pick him up, but are you comfortable starting him or, or if you have him potentially trying to trade him? I would uh, prefer to try to trade him, and I don't know if this is a a reasonable move. I don't have many Lazard shares, but um, if you could like spin some interest for the Devonte Adams owner as just like a a, a handcuff almost, oh, oh, a wide receiver handcuff. Yeah, I, I think that that's the move. But I think outside of you know the the target volume that he might have. Um, as like the top dog in Adam's absence, I just don't, um, I think still at their core, I know they're, they're passing like crazy, but I still think they're a run first team. Um, haven't looked like it necessarily, but I, I think they're, um, you know, we're seeing, uh, what's his name? Irvin get involved in the run game. Um, you know, AJ Dillon hasn't made much of an impact, but they're getting Jamal Williams involved. I have to be just somewhat skeptical that, uh, they're going to continue to pass um, with that volume and as efficiently. 
And I think that, you know, we, we might see, you know, a couple of good Lazard weeks. We might see a couple of MVS, you know, I, I, I just don't trust that uh, we've seen consistent enough production that I'm, I'm not willing to, to sell it if I can. Fair enough. And for the last one here, I don't care about Eric's opinion. So I'll go right back to you, Kate. <laughs> DJ Moore. If you have DJ Moore, are you a little scared with Teddy Checkdown or are better days ahead? I am really scared. <laughs> I, I I didn't I actually thought this was gonna be a much like better and just more natural connection between these two guys. Um just doesn't seem to to have that same chemistry um necessarily that DJ Morris had in the past. He had, uh, you know, 120 receiving yards in week two, but it came on the back of 13 targets. And I don't know that we can count on 13 targets on a week to week basis. Um, you know, the, the cheaper play here is Robbie Anderson and Robbie Anderson's been uh, just bonkers productive. And I mean, that sometimes just goes to tell you that like there are certain quarterbacks that just have that better, uh, you know, more consistent chemistry with, you know, certain receivers. Maybe that's what we're seeing here. I would have never projected that whatsoever heading into the season, but um, it, it seems like they're developing more of that natural connection. And, um, you know, I, Anderson might be the upside play and DJ Moore just might be a a volume guy. And, you know, maybe I can try to try to spin uh, the the DJ more and, uh, you know, I don't know, find my way into a Robbie Anderson plus lots. Well, I just traded for DJ more and don't feel confident after hearing that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that I already knew since you said, since you did trade for my figured your, I knew your thoughts on oh, him. I got rid of Todd Gurley. So that's a real win. <laughs> I do think that's a win. I I'm worried about Todd Gurley that he just doesn't look, um, it, he has a you know a couple of moments per game where you see old fashioned Todd Gurley, but he's not involved enough as a passer. Considering the insane amount of passing volume, um, I want to see him much more involved. But he just doesn't look like the guy anymore. He doesn't. He's he's lost it. I think it's the knee. Yeah, agreed. And so let's move to our last category here. And what I'm going to do is we have five names on here. So I'll give you guys each a chance to kind of break down how you feel about them. We have Zach Ertz, Johnu Smith, Noah Fant, Moali Cox, Jimmy Graham. Uh, Zach Ertz obviously might benefit from the loss of Dallas Goddard. Johnu Smith looks like the number two pass catcher to AJ Brown or the number one when he's not there. You got Fant, the top pass catcher on a bad offense, Moali Cox, Looks like the potential new number one tight end in Indy uh, with a guy who likes to throw to his tight ends. And Jimmy Graham's coming off a two-touchdown game that could have been three with Nick Foles at quarterback. So, Eric, out of those five those five guys, uh, can you just talk a little bit about each of them and what you want to do with them? Zach Ertz I'm keeping because with all the injuries, he's probably one of the only healthy ones. Has seven, seven, and ten targets. I mean, he's... Carson Wentz's trusted uh, weapon. Jonu Smith, I'm going to keep as well. I think tight end is so volatile, but he's paid off if you waited until the last round to draft the tight end like I did. Um, he's paying off for you, and uh, I think Tannehill has a connection with him. No offense, same thing. Broncos are going to be trailing a lot in the games. I think that's pass happy. He's one of the veterans in that receiving core, only being his second year. 
Mo Ali Cox, I like as well, former VCU basketball player. He's kind of now learning more and more football each year, and Philip Rivers loves his tight ends, and he's an athletic freak of nature. Jimmy Graham, I don't care what you say. He had a career week last week. I am not a believer. I know he leads in red zone targets, but don't believe it. All right. Kate, what about your thoughts on these five tight ends? All right. I'm going to uh, to start with Zach Ertz. He is what he is. Um, I'm not super excited about uh, honestly paying up for, for any of these tight ends. Like I said before, I uh, can't remember who we were talking about, but uh, with the volatility that is the tight end position and given, um, you know, just the, uh, it, I mean, there's just so few good tight ends. Um, I, I would rather maybe cash in for a position that, um, you know, isn't, isn't so, you know, scarce, like get, get a package with a running back and a, a wide receiver, um, and gain depth there and just play the dart throw. Um, you know, it, just look at the matchups and, and see and Zach Ertz is, you know, the perfect guy that you can sell high right now because he's, uh, you know, supposedly going to to see this increased target share. Um, but th- the Philly offense looks terrible. I don't want to buy into a, a bad offense. Um, Johnny Smith, love, love, love. I do expect, um, you know, as as uh, we see um, A.J. Brown get healthier, it sounds like this, this knee bruise was pretty nasty. Um, but as we see... Uh, him get healthier. I worry a little bit more about Johnny Smith because he seems to uh, just fit that number one role really well. Um, but, you know, I don't know that there's going to be a sustainable target volume for him necessarily with AJ Brown back into the mix. So he's a guy that I'd probably, you know, I'll keep for now, but if we get, you know, closer to the information that, that AJ Brown looks better is, is getting in some, some limited practice sessions. I'll see if I can can flip him to a, a believer that you know might feel more comfortable with the volume. Noah Fant, um, you know he's 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 looked great. I even I mean the offense never looked particularly good, um, and, and Noah Fant has still sort of superseded that. So I I'll take I'll take Noah Fant there. Um, should should definitely see the target volume. Um, and that's sort of the difference, you know, between him and, and Johnny Smith is that, uh, you know, Johnny has to worry about that, that target volume decreasing eventually. But Noah Fant, he's he's going to be that volume play all year long. Um, love him. I'm keeping him. Mo Alley Cox, I'm also keeping. I, I got to believe in the guy. He has a nice, uh, like you said, he's he's a former basketball player. He can jump up and grab a ball. He's a monster of a human being. Um, and it just complements his quarterback really well. Uh, same way that we look at a Naeem Hines, who uh, obviously he didn't repeat his week one performance, but he he plays to his quarterback skill set. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I said this week, even, you know, with, with Jack Doyle healthy, I will buy into Mo Ali Cox. And that is because, uh, you know, similar to a, a Tyler Higby situation, it's really hard to find, uh, you know, tight ends that, that put up a hundred receiving yard games and, and are capable of producing that kind of yardage. It's going to be hard to put that back into the bottle. He looks really good um, and should see the targets. Jimmy Graham. No, no. <laughs> yes. yes. 
That's my analysis. No. Yeah. I'd rather eat a jar of mayonnaise than play Jimmy Graham in a lineup ever. (laughs) So in the fantasy playoffs two years ago, after being like the number four tight end all year, he had one catch for negative one yards. I somehow won that week. The next uh, next game, he had one catch for zero yards. Never again. Yeah. And I have to quit him. I'd do a lot of things on this earth before I start Jimmy Graham ever again. One interesting note on Mo Ali Cox, um, who's someone I actually picked up in one league and one league I dropped and probably not going to get back, but um, he played 76% of the snaps, I believe, last week. Do you know how many routes he ran total in his 76% snaps? He ran seven, he ran seven routes. Oh, my God. So it's a little scary, a little scary. He had three catches, one for a touchdown, but if he's only running seven routes, um, I'm a little, I, I wouldn't pay a lot for him is I guess where I'm, I'm kind of on that. So that's the only one I'm going to touch on up uh, because I think he's very kind of intriguing out of this group as someone that you're like hoping could be that, that, you know, uh, Tyler Higby that kind of comes out of nowhere. So um, interesting, great work on that. I, for both of you, I think they're going to really help everybody listening to the show. But now we get to the fun part. Our question of the week, sponsored by none other than Manscaped. Support for the Triple Play broadcast brought to you by Manscaped. It's the best in below-the-waist below grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Guys, story time, I used the uh, hand razors in the shower to cut my balls, and it left me with some ugly-looking scars. That's no more, as Manscaped has changed the game with the Lawnmower 3.0, the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. The trimmer has cutting-edge ceramic blade that reduces grooming accidents thanks to its advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when I hear skin-safe, I'm already smiling. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes. It's waterproof. And that's right. You can listen to us while you're in the shower and you trim your balls. The lawnmower. I want to hear when I'm trimming balls. (laughs) All right. Yeah. The lawnmower has got a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology and features an LED light, which illuminates grooming. So you can look like just uh, a Russell Wilson out there with the precision that you have, the accuracy. Let's not forget that you need to show this off loudly and proudly in your bathroom. So it has a nice, charging station, a nice docking station where you can use its USB to charge in between uses. And if you're listening to me right now, let's help you out. Get 20% off with free shipping with the code triple play at manscaped.com. And yeah, I didn't start. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Question of the week. Who is the most underrated player in football? It's a very loaded question. So, Kate, you're the guest, so we'll start with you for this one. Oh, most underrated. Oh, man. Why Can we come back to me? I, need, I feel like I need a moment. Okay, well, sorry. I don't want to, uh, you know, disappoint with my answer. <laughs> it, needs to be, um, it, it needs to be as valuable as the question. So, c- come back to me in a minute. All right. I like Eric. You said you thought you might have the same answer. So, you know, we've been agreeing on a lot of stuff and a lot of same stats. Mine is Robert Woods. Back to back a thousand yard seasons. His touchdowns haven't been there. The most he's had is seven. And that's including his rushing statistics. But speaking of that, he has 272 rushing yards the past couple of years. He's been pretty durable. He's only missed one game the past few years because of a family issue. And he has 500 plus receiving yards in every year of his career. 
especially when he was in Buffalo, where you say receivers go to die. Not <laughs> true this year, but Robert Primetime Woods does not get the recognition he deserves. Solid answer. I absolutely love that. So just before I hopped on with you guys, uh, I, I came in from a road trip uh, where I spent uh, you know a, a few hours in the car thinking about fantasy football, of course, and I walked in the door and immediately made an offer for Robert Woods. So I love that answer uh, for all of the same reasons, but I obviously cannot steal, uh, <laughs> steal your answer. So I'm going to go with uh, Adam Thielen. That's a good one. I, I absolutely love Adam Thielen. He doesn't get enough uh, recognition. You know, I think it became abundantly clear as soon as you saw Stefan Diggs, um, you know, leaves the lineup, uh, it, you know, it, they acted like it, the entire offense was completely barren and there was nobody left as far as the eyes could see that could possibly catch a football. Adam Thielen's a good wide receiver. Like he's, uh, he, he's, he's got great hands. Um, you know, he's, he's moves well. Um, I, I just think that, you know, there's, there's a great, uh, connection there with Kirk Cousins that sometimes maybe gets lost in translation, but he's just, he's an all around just solid wide receiver. And I think he's underrated for fantasy. Um, you know, he's, he's just generally pretty reliable for uh, that safe floor of points, but like his ceiling is, is massively underrated. I agreed, especially in, on a team where there's at this point had been no other options until Justin Jefferson and he was getting the top coverage and everything he's still producing. So my answer is very simple. And that is Pat Mahomes. Oh my God. Oh, he is so oh underrated. So Pat Mahomes. All right. I'm leaving for this segment. Pat Mahomes counted it on his fingers last night. I'll put it on the camera. He went like this. And that's because he was the number four player on the top 100 and he does not get the respect he deserves. He is the best player in football, and that's not just because I'm a big Chiefs fan. He is the number one player, and he needs to be recognized. So until he's the number one player, I'm saying he's underrated. Bro, are you serious? Does he not have a great coaching staff and weapons around him? Number one player, but he's treated as number four, so he's underrated. That's the definition of underrated. Get out of here. It's technically true. (laughs) But I... Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, David, come on. It, it's I, not a show if David doesn't talk about Mahomes once. Like when he found out he was having a kid, Amanda, Amanda, Patrick Mahomes is having a kid. He's like, he's such a great picture of me. First yeah. name, Patrick, uh, middle name, Mahomes for the baby, I presume. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, my fiance, her, um, her dad's name is Patrick and her brother's name is Patrick. Perfect. So it, it fits right in. So I, I think she's on board. Uh, but I, yeah, I got to get my boy a shout out. But anyway, let's move to our last segment of the show. And that's our game of the week. And Kate, I hope you're ready to bring your A game because I get super ecstatic when Eric loses. So okay. I will be your biggest cheerleader for this game. You guys are going head to head. All right. All right. And so I have 10 questions here. And you guys will, since I have the game on my phone, you guys will just keep track of your scores. One point, obviously, for the correct answer. Zero points for the incorrect answer, okay? Ooh. Here we go. 
Wait, so how is this done? Like, are you going to... So um, what I'm going to do is I'll start with Kate. I'll ask her the question and then I'll allow you to answer as well. I'll say what the correct answer is and then I'll start with you for the next one. Okay. So, okay. Good. All right. So Kate, number one, this is all stats. The game is all stats so far in 2020. So uh, again, if you know your stats so far this season, you're going to do really well in this game. More catches for PPR leagues. Who has the most catches? Again, valuable in PPR leagues. Is it... Alvin Kamara, Tyler Lockett, or Keenan Allen? I have to go with Alvin Kamara. Eric? I'm going to say Keenan Allen because he has the most targets. The answer is Alvin Kamara with 27 catches. Kate's on the board. Yes. <laughs> Alvin Kamara. I like, and this is not because I knew uh, Alvin Kamara's stat line on the season, but. Just watching that performance the other night, I I had Alvin Kamara in, in a few leagues where I was down a ridiculous amount, and I came out on top, I think, in all of them, and that was a Kamara. It was just because he was just getting peppered with targets. Uh, you know, if I was on the receiving end, like if I was opposing Alvin Kamara, I think I would have been equally aware of the, the volume as well. It's crazy. I heard a star. I saw a stat today that if you took out his rushing stats and just receiving, Alvin Kamara would be wide receiver four. Oh my god, that's pretty nuts. That's pretty crazy. That's All right, Kate. Let's just don't Atlanta Falcons it, please. Please hold the lead. <laughs> uh, number two, Eric. Start with you. Most catches. Um, this is for half PPR. Who has the most half PPR points out of this group? OBJ. Julio Jones, Chris Carson. Chris Carson. Kate? I would also go Chris Carson. That is correct. Point for each of you. Number three. The most receiving touchdowns out of this group. Tyler Higby, Stefan Diggs, Alan Lazard. Kate? Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby. Both correct. He had three, and they were all in that one game in week two. Number four. Eric, most rushing yards, Kyler Murray, Adrian Peterson, Miles Sanders. Kyler Murray. Kate? I'm uh, Adrian Peterson. Yes! Another <laughs> correct answer. You so tipped it. You so what did I do? You, no. went, you went, uh, Kate? No, no, no it, it was definitely um, because I, I had gone through my waivers and I was like, God, he's getting a lot of yards. <laughs> it's just the grossest thing ever that I spent time debating whether or not I should be picking up AP um, in his 47th season of the NFL. <laughs> it's crazy because he's announced the starter too. They announced it this week. He's getting all those uh, people that brought into DeAndre Swift. Yikes. All right. Number five. Kate, you're perfect so far. Back to you here. Who has the longest rush of the season? The longest run of the season? James Robinson, Dalvin Cook, Sony Michelle. Oh, I think it's actually Sony Michelle. It was this week, wasn't it? He had a long one. You going with Sony? Yeah, but it is it is Sony because he had like nine for one sixteen, and he had like a eighty yard yeah. run or something. Yeah, both right. 48-yard run this week. So that is – I thought Dalvin Cook – he had like a – I think it was like a 30-something 
this week too, but they, yeah, and Sony topped it. Um, all right, so the score is five to four. Second half left. Eric, who has the most passing nar- yards out of this group? Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Kate. Josh Allen. Kate, you are on fire! Woo! Are you telling me I'm perfection? You are perfection. Oh my gosh. This is is great. I love Eric getting beat down. Josh Allen has 1,038 yards. He is the head of that group. Again, number two in the league. All right, number seven. Kate, the most passing touchdowns out of this group. Jared Goff. Dak Prescott, Mitch Trubisky. Oh. Oh. I don't think it's Dak um, because he had so many rushing touchdowns, but he had four. Oh, my goodness. Um, is it Mitch Trubisky? You're riding with uh, with Mitch I'm going to go golf because I need some points, and it's not Dak. And the Bears scored 27 their first game, so that means they probably got three touchdowns. And they scored 17 their second game, and then he got benched. And the Rams have back-to-back high-scoring games. I'm going to go golf. So, Kate, you're going with Mitch, and Eric, you're going with golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kate again. Ah! Yeah. Way to go. Mitch had six before he got benched. That's crazy. See, I, Played him in a bunch of leagues this week, and I, uh, I was sorely disappointed. I knew there was a reason I picked him up. <laughs> so it's in order to, to tie, I would have to get these three right, and you'd have to get them wrong. So pressure on, let's do it. All I right. Think, I think she's got. She, there's never been. We've done games after every show for the last six months. No one's ever been perfect in any game we've ever played. So there's no pressure or anything. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, number eight. I think we're starting with you for this one, Eric. The most rushing attempts out of this group. Kenyon Drake, Joe Mixon, and Dalvin Cook. Uh, I'm going to go Joe Mixon. I'll also go Joe Mixon. Well, the streak is over, sadly. the under- no! <laughs> you had to go. I I would have gone Joe Mixon too. It was Kenyon Drake with fifty four attempts. Okay, oh that's ugly. You would yeah. never know by how inefficient. Actually, you, you know what? I read an article because I'm a huge Chase Edmonds fan, and I I just I'm like every week like when is it going to be his time? And they were talking about like oh Kenyon Drake has like the third most carries in the NFL or something. So should have should have thought of that. Oh well. Well, Kate, you can still get an A because nine out of ten is still a ninety percent. So I'm still rooting for that. Um, number nine, who has the most field goals? We got to get our kicker fix in. Who has the most field goals? I know this. The most made field goals. Rodrigo Blankenship, Mason Crosby, and Matt Prater. Is it my turn first? Yes. Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby. The correct answer is Rodrigo Blankenship. Oh, no. With eight made field goals. Wow. And you said you knew it too, Eric. I thought you were going to say Goskowski. Eric, are you? What do you have? Like five? God, you're you're gonna fail. I hope you get this wrong so you get that E. Do you and think he's making those kicks because of his glasses? Yeah, he's like accurate. if we got Mason Crosby some glasses, maybe that's the missing link. Yeah, I think I think you found it. Um, that's what Bears kickers need. 
Yeah. <laughs> number last one, number 10. The most targets out of this group. AJ Green, DJ Moore, Zach Ertz. Eric. So it's between Zach Ertz and AJ Green. I'm going to go AJ Green. And Kate. I'll also go AJ Green. That is correct. AJ Green has 28 targets out of that group. Which Zach again, Ertz is 24 and DJ Moore 22, right? Uh, I don't know. John wrote this one and he just put what AJ Green had. Uh-huh. Um, so, Kate, you are our winner. I am ex- I am so stoked that you just put a beat down on Eric. What are you more <laughs> excited about, that or the fact that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a kid? I mean, I'm happy for them, but I- I'm directly happy for Kate. Like, this this impacts me. So, <laughs> so Kate, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure and a blast being able to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This was awesome. Of course. And if you want to make sure you follow her, she's at FF Ball Blast on Twitter. One of the great follows out there. Make sure you listen to her podcast. Again, if you're whether you just enjoy listening to fantasy football or you want to get to be a better player, make sure you check her out. Again, thanks for your time, Kate. This was a blast. Bye, guys. 